0: How I many of y'all love Jesus? Come on, we love Jesus, amen? That's most of y'all in here. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, Joshua 1.9 says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. These are the words that the Lord spoke to Joshua. You know, Joshua succeeded Moses in the Old Testament and if you remember the story in the Old Testament, Joshua was the one that actually led the Israelites into the promised land. And these are the words in the first chapter of Joshua that God, that God spoke to him as he was about to take the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land that they were going to possess and they were going to take. And these are the words that God spoke to him. Which, and I believe they are words that God would speak to us this morning. And I love what it says. It says, this is my command. In other words, God God was commanding Joshua. He was saying, He was saying, be strong and courageous. And I believe that's a that's a word for God's church today. Right. It's a command for God's church to be strong and be courageous. Right. Don't be intimidated. We're not, we're not going to be intimidated. We're going to be strong and we're going to be courageous. Yeah. Just, just like the Lord commands us to do, we're going to act in boldness and in courage. And then it says, do not be afraid. The, the world wants to bring fear on God's church. The world wants to bring a spirit of fear on on, on every on everybody. But, but more than ever, I believe it's, it's 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 trying to come against the church of God to make us afraid to stand for what we know is true and what we know is right. So so the Lord says, do not do not be afraid, and do not be discouraged. He says. And how many of y'all get discouraged sometimes? We we, we, we get discouraged. It, it it happens to all of us, even to believers. But the Lord says, do not be discouraged. And look what it says. And look what it says here. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love that. No matter where you are, it could be at your low point, your your time of discouragement, your your time of doubt. Some of us doubt sometimes. We we, we hit low points. We we, we come up against obstacles, opposition, all those different things. And the, the Lord is reminding Joshua, and I believe he's reminding us today, that the Lord is with you wherever you go. That, that gives me hope. That gives me confidence that God is with us. I, I believe that verse needs to become the battle cry for this church. Amen. That that's God's command to this church, to do not, do not be discouraged, but be strong and courageous. Amen? Amen? So as a pastor, you know I need to be sensitive to the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I've said this before when I come up here and speak, there's a lot of things in the Bible that I can preach about and speak about, but I always try to be very sensitive to the voice of God. And not only what he wants me to say, but when he wants me to say it. You know, God, what's the timing? What's the word? What's the now word for, for your church? And um, the Lord just kept putting in my spirit uh, the word warrior. Just the word warrior kept coming in. The word battle kept coming in. And, the, and those things, you know, so those words start to be kind of downloaded in my spirit. Then I got to be sensitive and say, okay, God, what is it? You know, what's the word you want me to speak? What do you want me to share, share to our church? And I titled the message today, Keep Fighting the Good Fight. Amen. Keep Fighting the Good Fight. And, you know, if you look at the Old Testament and the New Testament, and this has always been something that's been very fascinating to me. You, you read the Old Testament, and there's a lot of war. There's battle, like on the battlefield, like with swords and arrows and there's a, you know a lot of people are very surprised to discover when they read the Bible how much uh violence and and and, and killing that, that that takes place in the bible and and uh, but but in the old testament there's there's, there's wars there's there's where, where kings led their their, uh, their their side of the battle their men into battle to face another king so so all throughout the old testament there's these there's these wars and these battles that that take place in many places throughout the Old Testament. But when you get to the New Testament, you turn, you turn the page and all of a sudden you open it up and there's the book of Matthew. There's none of, there's none of the wars. There's no, there's no kings leading their armies into battle. There, there's no swords being drawn. There's no arrows being being pulled back. There's no blood being shed on the battlefield. So you, you, you can think as a Christian or as a believer that all of a sudden the war has ceased. That there's, that there's no longer a war, that, that God only wanted, to, wanted us to fight or wanted a war to be in the Old Testament, not the New Testament. But really, if you pay attention as you're reading the Bible, you will discover that the war has not ceased. The war has not ceased. Um, the, the war has actually transitioned from a physical battle to a spiritual battle. There's still a battle. There's a battle that rages. The, the nation of Israel had to fight. They, they fought more of a physical battle to, to occupy and possess the land and the places that God had promised them to possess. But, but we are the nation of Israel as the New Testament church. That's who we are as Christians. So, so the battle has not ceased. The battle rages on. And God is still looking for warriors that are willing to stand and fight on the battlefield. And I believe this church is one of the churches that is willing to stand and fight for God, to fight for the truth, to fight for what the Word of God, for what the Word of God says. See, this is one of the reasons why the Jews didn't recognize who Jesus was. Jesus came as this meek, humble, ordinary, average, regular guy. In other words, the the Bible says there there was no earthly esteem, nothing about his appearance that would make us think that he's anything great. But what do we do when we, when we try to elevate someone? We pick someone that's well built and handsome, and maybe somebody who's well educated or, or, or has a lot of influence, a lot of wealth, someone that the world would look to. But Jesus was none of those things. So when the Jews looked at him, they like, Well, this is not, he's not the Messiah. Surely he's not the one that's going to rescue Israel. Well, little did they know, yes, he was. He, but he wasn't just going to rescue Israel, he's going to rescue mankind from their sin. Right. The greatest battle that could ever be fought was a war for our souls. Right. And so if you look at the New Testament and you, you read the gospels, Jesus was a warrior. He was a, he was a warrior. In, in 1 John 3:8, it says, The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. Because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. That's a warrior. See, but that, but that wasn't something that Jesus did with a sword and with a, with, with, with a spear or an arrow. Jesus did it on the cross. Right. He conquered Satan on the cross. And because Jesus died and was resurrected, Satan's forever defeated. He reigns for a little while, but not forever. His days are numbered, thank you, Jesus. Right. Right. He's been defeated in Jesus' name. Our enemy has been defeated. Right. So Jesus, Jesus was a warrior. See, the battle... The battle has not ceased in the New Testament. The church is still called to fight. We're, st- we're still called to wager. We are in a battle, but it's not for the physical survival of humanity on earth. It's for the eternal survival of the human soul. Right. See, it's not a it's not a battle to try to save our lives physically. Th- this body's going to die. Right. This outer shell is is decaying. The, the, the Bible says and. And if you're getting older like I'm getting older, you'll discover that the outer shell decays. But what does the Bible say? The inner man has been renewed day by day. Why? Because we have new life given out by the Holy Spirit. We, we've been born again. See, so the world, see, all they're relying on is the outer shell, the physical, the natural, the, 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 the things that are fading away. But what, is, what, do, we, what do we do as believers? We're feeding that inner man, see, that, that spiritual man. See, we're being renewed day by day. See, that, 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 that's our life. So what we have to ask ourselves is, are you aware that a fight even exists? You have to ask yourself that. I'm asking the church this, but really this message is personal. It's you, and, and God's got to ask me, are you even aware that a fight even exists? I believe some Christians don't. They, they, they come to church, they, they, they live their life, and they don't really understand that there's a real battle that takes place for them to be, to be a Christian. Yeah. Then the next question you have to ask yourself is, are you willing to fight? Are you willing to fight? Because you're going to have to fight. You, right. you, you can't just say, well, I'm saved, and I'm going to be all right now. No, you're not. You're not going to make it. You, you might be a religious person, you might you might you might come across religious, but you're not gonna be a Christian. You're not gonna be a son or a daughter of God that God has called us to be. So so are you willing to fight? See, I've said this before, Christianity is not a spectator sport. It's not where we sit back and we watch what everybody else does. No. Christianity is I get in I get in the battlefield. I, I engage the enemy. I, I get involved. I I I get on the battlefield. The problem is, there's a lot of Christians are not willing to get on the battlefield and pick up their swords. So we got a sword. It's called the Word of God. That's how we slay down our enemy with the truth of what the Word of God says. That's how we come after him and everything that comes against us. Every word that is spoken that is not of God, we come against it with the truth of what the Bible says. That's how, That's how Christians fight. See, the moment you surrendered your life to Jesus, you were drafted into the army of God. Did you know that? Some Christians, I don't believe really, they don't don't understand that. They don't comprehend that. You were drafted into the army. You you became a warrior. You say, well, I don't feel like a warrior. You are a warrior. What did the Lord tell Gideon? The Lord is with you, almighty warrior. And he was hiding. He was hiding from, from the Midianites. And, and, and God spoke to him, the Lord is with you, almighty warrior. That's what God would say to every one of you today, the Lord is with you, almighty warrior. See, fighting is not optional. It's essential. It's essential for our survival as Christians. We, we can't just sit back and say, well, I, I don't know if I want to fight. You have to fight. You have to engage. You have to be willing to fight or you're not going to survive. So if you read the New Testament, a common theme in a lot of Paul's letters that he wrote is the theme of fighting or battle or uh, contending for your faith or uh, all those different analogies that Paul uses in the, spiritual, in the spiritual to explain to us the battle that you and I are engaged in uh, in the spiritual. And one of those I'm going to look at this morning is in 1 Timothy chapter 6. And uh, we're going to look at verses 11 to 16. It says, But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering, then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and one and only Almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. And what a passage of scripture that is. But I want us to, again, to kind of take this personal, if Ruby wants to jump back to the beginning of that passage in verse 1, there, um, the, right there where it says, it says, but you, Timothy, I want you to insert your name in that, like, Brandon, but you, Brandon, like make, make it personal, but you, Joshua, but you, Lee, are a man of God. So run from all these, make, make the message personal, because that's what Paul, when we, when we read Paul's letters and his writings to the churches, who was Paul writing to? He's writing to Christians. It's not that he was just writing to Timothy or writing to the Philippians or the Colossians or the Ephesians, he was writing to God's church. So, we need to make the Bible personal when we read it and understand that God is speaking to us so but look what Paul says here. Paul says to Timothy, he says, "I charge you with this." Now there wasn't just passive instructions, the charge was it was something that he was telling Timothy, "You are required to carry this out in other words, it's a charge God has given a charge to his church, so I believe in this passage Paul outlines for us the, uh, the strategy for the battle plan, the, the strategy for victory, for us to, 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 for us to be successful on the battlefield as Christians. And we're going to look at three of them here. It's, we ha- First of all, we have to identify the enemy, we have to identify the strategy, and then we have to identify the mission. And I believe Paul does all three of these here in this, in this scripture verse. So in verse 11, he says, But you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. So the first thing we look at is we have to identify the enemy. Paul told Timothy, run from all these evil things. And if you look at the, the uh, scripture verses right prior to this passage, Paul was warning Timothy about false doctrines, about ungodliness and the love for the things of the world. He was he was telling him to to, to run away from these things, the, the, the things that are there. And and we know that in our world those things exist. The the false doctrines, the the, all those different things of ungodliness they, they are there but when we think of this as a Christian um, and we ask ourselves who is our enemy you know if you ask a Christian or ask yourself who is our enemy what would you say is our enemy and a lot of a lot of Christians I believe would consider the media their enemy they say the media you know the, the, they're, they're against God they hate God they hate the church their enemy some people will believe the the political parties are the enemy of, of the church. The Democrats or the Republicans, take your, take your pick, independents, doesn't matter. They would think that those are the ones that, 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 that are our enemies. Um, but really, none of those are our enemies. Our enemy is Satan. Our enemy is Lucifer. He, he, he is the devil, the Bible says. So, but the thing that makes it so difficult for us to identify our enemy with is you, you can't see him. You can't see him. now. The Hollywood and has tried to depict pictures of, of images of what they think Satan looks like and what, what do they always show him. Usually. It's, a, it's a guy, you know, with, with, with horns and he's dressed in a red suit and he's got a, got a pitchfork and that, that's Satan. That's not Satan. That's, he, he's, he's much more dangerous than a man standing in a red suit with a pitchfork. Right. Much more dangerous. And you have, to, you have to be able to identify the, the, the enemy to understand how it is that he operates. So in Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil, in the heavenly realms. So our struggle, the Bible says, Paul says, is not against flesh and blood. It's not a physical battle that we wage. It's a spiritual battle that, that you and I wage. So what, what are the spiritual forces? You know, when Paul says the, the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms, what, what are those spiritual forces? And, and as I share some of these, you're going to be able to identify with these, and you're going to recognize that, you know what? Those forces have come against me. They may be coming against you now. It may be something that's operating, operate, operating in, in your life now, but those forces are opposed to God's church. They are opposed to what you and I are doing here this morning. They are opposed to what you and I stand for in Jesus Christ. There are real forces that stand opposed to God's church. The Bible says that we are living in an anti-Christ world. Do, do you all know that? The spirit of the Antichrist, the Bible says, is already here. The Antichrist figure has not, let, has, not yet been, has not yet come, but the Bible says the spirit of the Antichrist has come. What is an Antichrist spirit? Just what it says. Something that is opposed to Christ, right. that is opposed to God. That, that is anti-God, that, that is anti-truth, that is anti-word, that, that, that is opposed to everything that you and I stand for in this church. It's a spirit. It's a spiritual battle that we fight. So what are some examples of spiritual forces? Well, one of them is a spirit of apathy, um, and that's defined as a lack of interest or enthusiasm or concern. How many of y'all have ever had that spirit come on you where you just feel that you just don't have any energy for God. Right. I know Lee, Lee's real honest and open, and, and recently you just, I think you sent a text to me and Mom, I don't know if there's anybody else that was on the text, but just to, just to be honest, like, you know what, I, I need prayer. I'm, I'm feeling, what was it? You were like just under a heavy spiritual attack. Yeah. Just feeling like that apathy that just. Right. Bitterness and emptiness. Yes, and, that, and see, and, and we recognize now that's a, that's a spiritual force. See, the, the, we can look at ourselves and say, maybe that's just me and I'm having a, I'm having a bad day. No, that's a force in the heavenly realms of it's a spiritual force that is against you. And the spirit of apathy is that where it just makes us feel like you're not, there's no enthusiasm for the things of God. There's no excitement for the things of God. There's no energy. There's, no, there's, no, there's just no will. There's no willingness Yes. One after another, yes. After another, like yes. Amen. And and how do you combat that with the Word of God? What does the Word of God say? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Right. The Bible says, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me." You you, you see that's how that's how that's how we come against the see their schemes. Just what Paul said here: for the struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers. Well, above that he says, "You stand against the devil's schemes." There's a scheme. And there's a scheme, I believe, for every one of us, yes. that the devil knows us. See, we don't give the devil enough credit. He's not as powerful as God, but he's got a lot of power. Great. Right. But greater is Jesus. Greater is he that, in, that is in us, the Bible says. But, but, but he has schemes, and apathy is one of them. And how do we fight against that? We, 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 we begin to claim the truth of what the Word of God says. And maybe we put on some worship music, and we just, it, it could be in your bedroom, it could be in your car, and you just start shouting the name of Jesus. I just start lifting my hands up and say, Satan, I, 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 I am a child of God. And you begin to quote the truth of what the Word of God says. That's how we come against that. But that, that's it. Then another one is a spirit of deception. See, and that, that's what's infiltrating the church today It's a deceiving spirit. What, what, did, what did Satan tell Eve? What did it say? Did God, did God really say? See, that's, that, that's putting in a little bit of deception. And then you might have read something in the Bible, you might have experienced something, and the, the devil comes and says, did God really say that? Right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, God did tell me that, you know what, I got eternal life. Right. Yes, God really did tell me I'm born again. Yes, God really did tell me that Jesus conquered death. That my sins are forgiven. That, see, but that, that's deception. And then, and then it comes into the church. And then how does it come into the church? It comes into the church with a spirit of compromise. See, the church, the, 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 the 2022 church, they want to redefine what the, what the Bible says. Because what, what, what has the world done? We've evolved. See, the world's evolving. So don't you understand, church, pastor, get with the world. We're evolving now. If I want to call myself a woman, I'm a woman. It doesn't work that way. What does the Bible say? We don't compromise. There's no compromise, but that's a spirit. It's a spirit of deception. It's a spirit of compromise. And then then there's a spirit of selfishness. That that spirit's been around since the beginning. But 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 it's prevalent more than ever today, and Lee kind of alluded to this when he was speaking earlier. Pastor Anthony said yesterday, You're not building your kingdom, we're building his. I love that. You know, a lot of times, and even as a Christian, we can get kind of higher in ourselves a little bit and think, well, man, God's doing this with me, and I'm showing me this, and I'm doing this, and all of a sudden, it becomes more about, God, what are you doing with me? Like, what are you doing in my life? But God's like, no, I'm building, you're you're helping him build his kingdom. You see, you're not building your kingdom, you're building his. And that kind of shifts the, the responsibility or the the focus or the energy away from me to God. What God's bigger picture? Like what, what is it that God that God is doing? So so Satan is our enemy, but there's another enemy, and this one may may come as a surprise to some of us. In Galatians chapter five, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. So the next enemy is, is, is you. It's your flesh. And Paul says it right here. What he says, they are, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. They're in conflict with one another. And, and Brother Rod says this all the time. He says, when you got saved, he says, your spirit got saved, but your flesh didn't. I wish the flesh would have got saved, but the flesh didn't, so the flesh is still hanging around. So guess what the flesh wants to do? Go back to doing what the flesh did before the flesh got saved. And there's a, there's a constant war. There's a, see, see, before you got saved, the war really wasn't there because the spirit wasn't alive in you. There was no voice guiding you or directing you. The only voice that you heard was your, your voice, the voice of the flesh. Do whatever you want to do. Now all of a sudden, a new master comes in. Comes in. His name is Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us now. So now I'm given a choice. I'm not obligated, Paul said, in the war, to satisfy the desires of the flesh or to satisfy the desires of sin. No, I'm no longer obligated. I'm obligated now to do what? To satisfy the desires of the Spirit. Right. But it's a choice that you and I make. In other words, you can't make the decision for me and I can't make the decision for you. That, that's where it's personal. Right. See, pa- Paul said, you, you Timothy, O oh man of God. See, you, we, we have to do these things. But, but the flesh, and, and, and the flesh, um, the flesh is a strong enemy. And the flesh, you know, Brother Watt says it, he goes, he goes, the flesh sometimes, that, that's your worst enemy. You know, if you think about it, and, and we're, we're selfish. Um, we're impatient. Um, we, you know, lust, bitterness, complaining and murmuring, gossip, jealousy, all those things, that, that's part of the flesh, See? And we say, "Well, I'm saved. I don't have those things." Well, you're not telling the truth. <laughs> you do. I do. Those those things come. So what do we do? We 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 take the thought captive, as the Bible says. We take every thought captive, and then we bring it under the obedience of what the Word of God says. Is that bitterness? And, and I'm 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 guilty. My wife can tell you. So complaining. I'm you know complaining, murmuring. Is that of God? No. no. People got killed for that in the Old Testament. When they when they murmured, they were killed. Why would you Why would you murmur? We got the cross. We've been forgiven. I got eternal life. I, I'm born again. I I'm going to heaven when I die. What What are we What are we What are we complaining about? See what that's the flesh. They're, 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 it's constant. It's a constant battle. Constant battle. That's why it's imperative. You stay engaged as a believer. You're, see, the devil loves a, 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 a lone, a, a, just a, a stray wolf, a, someone a, a, you know, that's going to be by themselves, that's just going to be out there. Why? Because they, they, they're easy to attack. But when you're together in the pack, the church, it's harder for the devil to get to you. Right. So we gather here. We have our small groups. We do things like we did yesterday. We gather. We encourage. What the Bible says, when you come together, do what? Encourage one another. Build one another up. We have to do these things. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up his cross and do what? Deny himself. Deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The next thing Timothy said here, I mean, Paul said to Timothy here, is pursue righteousness in a godly life, in verse 11, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. So the next thing we have to do is we, we have to identify the strategy, the, the enemy we've identified. Now, what, what's our strategy for, for, for coming against the enemy? Well, what did, Paul's, what did Paul say? You must pursue. You got, I tell people that when they get saved, you know, it's like someone gets saved and they're like, whoa. It's almost like they're looking at you like, okay, I'm saved. That, that, what, I, don't do, well, I don't have to do anything. And you know what I tell them? I say, like, you've got to start pursuing God. You've got to get a Bible. Uh, get it on your app. Get a Bible app. Get, there's so many mechanisms now to get the Word of God. There's no excuse for not having the Word of God. There's so many translations out there, different ways that it, that it can be communicated to us. But you've got to actively go after God. I did that when I, when I, when I got saved. And, and I, I began, I was hungry. I was just hungry for the Word of God. And, and I, I don't think it was intentional necessarily, but God, the Holy Spirit led me to, to the letters of Paul, just all of Paul's letters, and, and for me, the Bible, and I love the Old Testament now because I've, I've started reading that one-year Bible. I've started doing that several years ago, but I fell in love with the Old Testament because of the one-year Bible. But I was just, I was just going to the New Testament, but I love Paul's letters because, for me, I'm one of those kind of guys that when I do something, I want to complete what I do. Because I want to finish what I do, and I want to do it in a timely manner. Well, most of Paul's letters are short, they're, but they're packed, like Philippians. It's got uh, four chapters. Galatians has five chapters. And I felt like I could actually sit down and absorb one of Paul's books and accomplish something. Like I read a book in the Bible. And so whatever that looks like for you, you, you have to find that. But you've got to go after God. Nice. Sitting in church in a Sunday morning for an hour or two hours, is not gonna. that's not enough. You have to pursue God. And Paul said, he says, pursue righteousness and a godly life. See, we don't just turn from evil, we turn to God. We turn away from the world, and then we don't just stay neutral. We go out, we run after God now. But you have to do that. Especially men. We we, we, we lead for our families. You have to lead. You have to lead your family. Look at this in James um, 4, 7. It says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you, and I thought about this, and this isn't on the, um, on the, on the screen there, but in, in Genesis 39, this is always one of my favorite um, passages here in the Bible, the story of Joseph. I, I love the story. I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. y'all know the, the, uh, the story of Joseph when, when, when he, he was sold into slavery, he ended up going to Potiphar's house, and he got raised up, and he was in charge of everything that, that, that Potiphar had. the only thing that he didn't have Chorjova was his wife, and everything else he left in Chorjova. Well, if you read the, the the um the the story of Joseph, Potiphar's wife began to take notice of of um of Joseph. It says that he was well built and he was handsome, and she just really took an eye and a notice on him. And I look at the verses, and we read this, th- these verses here. It says, now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, "Come to bed with me." This is in the Bible. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. I believe that was deliberate. She, she, she planned that, had all the people out the house. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. <laughs> we, sometimes you got to run from the devil. Yes. you got to run from evil. You got to you got to run from those things, and it, it might be a physical. It might it might be physical, right. but but I can tell you one thing: it's going to be radical. Right. It's going to be it's gonna, you're going to have if you're going to survive in this ungodly world that you and I live in, you're going to have to be a radical Christian. Right. It's not just going to be just a everyday mundane Christian. No, you're going to have to stand up and be radical for Jesus. That was radical what Joseph did, and guess where guess where it landed him? He ended up in prison. For righteousness, he 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 was honoring God. I believe Potiphar knew his wife was lying. That's just me. That she knew, she knew he he knew how she was. But what did God do? Joseph, in the end, what he was raised up, yes. second in charge to Pharaoh. The Bible says, God raised him up. But I love that because that is so is so fitting to that what this verse says: Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You got to resist the devil. You, what, how, what, how do we resist him? We resist temptations. Whatever it is that, that, he, that he's coming against you with temptation, how do you resist it? You don't, you don't obey. You don't give in. We resist him. What does it say? This is our promise as believers. He will flee from you. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. See, that's the power and the authority that you and I have over, over the enemy. So we must desire the things of God, not, not waiting passively but actively pursuing Jesus and his heart. Psalms 42, 1 and 2 says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. I want to ask you here this morning, are you, are you panting for the things of God? As you, as you, would, for, as you would thirst for water when you're, when you're thirsty, are you panting for the things of God? Does your... Does your soul yearn to want to know God? To, to want to know the holiness and the righteousness and the goodness of God? Do, do you pant for those things? If you don't, then we need to find a place where we begin to do so. Right. That God stir our spirits. See, God's not condemning us with this. What does the Bible say it just say we're not we're not condemned? That God has not condemned us. He but what does God do? He, he, he compels us. Right. He's he why? He wants us to be blessed and satisfied. See, this is the good path, the good life that God, that God wants us to live. As the deer pants for streams, so my soul, my thirst for the living God. Do we, do we see that? That's a pursuit. That's a yearning. That's, a, that's like, I've got to find you, God. i got whatever it takes, whatever, how much I've got to read, i got to pray, whatever i got to do, God, i got to find you. I've got to pursue you, Lord. See, fighting involves pursuing and running, after God, Romans twelve nine says, "Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good." See, we can actually hate in the Bible. It, it's okay to hate. It's hate the, hate the evil things. Hate the things that God hates. God, one of the things that God hates. God hates the hands that sheds innocent blood. The Bible says, God hates abortion. Those things, the thing that's prevalent right now in our nation. God hates those things. Hate the things that God hates, and then do what? Cling to the things that God loves. See, that's a pursuit. That, that, takes, that takes action. So what is the winning strategy? We submit, we pursue, and we resist. That's how we do that. That's, Paul had it right here. He told Timothy, you, O oh man of God, this is what I'm calling you to do. And then in verse 12, he said, fight the good fight for the true faith. I like what he says for the true faith. because you could be, See, I'm, I'm going to share that. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you. Which you have declared so well before many witnesses the next thing we have to do is we have to identify the mission see every battle plan has a mission why are we fighting see if, if, a, if a commander or a general takes his army into battle those guys want to know I'm willing to go fight for you but why am I fighting why am I will, why am I, I'm willing to obey what you were telling me to do and sacrifice my life for whatever this is for this cause what what is, what is our mission what is what does Paul say there? Hold tightly to the eternal life, to which God has called you. See, our mission is eternal life. Our mission is making it home to heaven. Our mission is finishing the race that we are running right now. It's making it to the end. Jesus said, he who remains faithful to the end will be saved. We've we, we, we got to run our race to the end. Our, our, our mission is to make it to the end. And our mission is to reach as many lost people as we can with the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. That's the mission of the church. That's what we fight for. And that's a battle worth fighting. That's a battle worth sacrificing our life our life for. See, um, I was driving the other day. It was in old Covington around where y'all's houses used to be over there. They got, they got a pavilion over there with some basketball courts right here co- close to the courthouse in old Covington. And I was just cutting through going back to, um, to Collins Boulevard, actually, and I, I just glanced at the pavilion, and they had some guys, some young guys in there playing basketball, and they had two guys dressed in black pants, a white shirt, and a tie. I know who those, I know who those guys are, that, that's Jehovah's Witnesses. And the guy was walking, and he, he, was, he had his arm, he had his arm around one of the young men, and they were just, they were walking like this, and he was talking to them, and I was convicted. I said, that's, that should be the church. The church should have his arm around that young man because what, what that man was telling him was false. Right. That's a false doctrine. Yes. That's a false gospel. That's a false truth. We, we have something worth fighting. Our mission is worth fighting for, getting on the battlefield and pursuing that. God help us to get on the battlefield and begin to speak the truth of salvation to those who are lost. Matthew 13, 44 says, The kingdom of heaven is like, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. See, Jesus is saying when you find the truth of who Christ is, when you find your salvation, you, you, found, you found eternal life. He said it's like a treasure, like a valuable treasure. And then it says when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. And he gave everything else up in his life so he could, he could pursue this new treasure. But when he says he hid it again, where did he hide it? In his heart. He hid it in his heart. And now what is he going to do? Gonna, whatever it takes, I'm going to defend this. I'm going to defend this treasure, just as I would an earthly treasure, a possession. Your family, your wife, your children, you, 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 you protect them. You, you'll die for them. We guard the treasure. We guard the treasure that God, that God has placed in our hearts. See, it's in a safe place. But some people see they don't guard the treasure. It's left out for intrusion or neglect or for sin. Are you safeguarding the salvation you have received? Is it in a safe place? Are you you keeping guard over your salvation? Are you watching what it is that God has done for you? See, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight. I love that. He didn't just say fight the fight. He said fight the good fight of the true faith. Why, Why is it a good fight? Because like I said, I got eternal life. God is good. All of God promises are yes and yes and amen. God's word is true. God is good to us. It's a good fight. It's a fight worth pursuing, amen? So we have to ask ourselves, are you, are you in the ring? Are you even in the ring? Are you outside the ring watching, watching other people fight? No, God, God is telling us, get in the ring. Are you willing to stand and fight? the good fight, Paul said. And then in verses 15 and 16, it says, For at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and one almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He alone can never die. And he lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. And I love what it says here. It says, at just the right time, Christ will be revealed from heaven by, all, by, by the Blessed One and Almighty God. Jesus is coming back. Yes. See, we've got to keep fighting because Jesus is coming back. And Jesus is looking for a bride that's ready. A bride that's looking and waiting for the, for the groom to come back. See, if we're not fighting, we're not, we're not ready. We're, we're going to get caught off guard. We're, we're, we're going to be like those, those, those virgins with the lamps. They didn't, they didn't bring enough oil. And when, and when it says when the bridegroom came, what happened? They ran out of oil. And they tried to go buy some, but it was too late. We've got to stay in the fight. We've got, we've got, we've got to be engaged. There's a, there's a real enemy against us. Amen. But I, I believe this church is poised to fight. We, we, we're going to fight the good fight. We are fighting the good fight. And we're going to continue to, to stand and fight for everything that God has given us and everything that God has done for us. Amen. You can stand to your feet, please.